Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. <laughs> The complete solution for your home PC. Here I am, All right, what's all the shouting about? Can you lower that down a little bit? My God, my head. Hey, good evening. Welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hello. Hello, my name is Jimmy. Come on in, have a seat. I'm not old or new, but middle school. Sit your ass down, like come on. High. Move it, move it, move it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Keeps be bugging, giving props to my hoe, cause she fly, but I can take the other the white meat. Other white meat known as Kid Funky Fry. Yeah, I'm, I'm planet on Pluto. Planet hard to see with the naked eye. Hard to see with the naked eye, but if I crashed into Uranus, right. I would stick it where the sun don't shine, cause I'm kind of like Han Solo. Kind of like a Han Solo, baby. In my own I'm the root of all that's evil, yeah, but you can call me Cookie. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Ah, the roof is on fire, baby. Let it go. Don't worry about it. Call the fire department later. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Just let it burn. Motherfucker. All right. All right. Good evening. Welcome to the Ravings of a Clown this Monday, March the 24th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Hey there. Hi there. Ho there. Such a keppy I have. My head is... As Grandma Jester used to say. But I took like nine aspirins, so I should be better. Plus, I think I'm fighting something off, so... I know I should take like echinacea or some one of these phony baloney uh, drugs. The former future ex Mrs. Jester used to uh, throw that shit at me every time I got the sniffles. Hey, good evening. Uh, welcome to the show. Such a show we have for you featuring uh, Harry Chapin and uh, Three Dog Night and Alice Cooper and the McCoys and Elton John before he sucked, Joan Armitrading, the Beatles, so much more. Plus, the request lines are open. 646-502-8600 gets you live on the air. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air in 15 minutes or something terrible will happen to me. 646-502-8600. Jot that down. Uh, doubtless, something I'm going to say this evening is going to piss you off. And there's the number, the call. Uh, you can also uh, send in your request to request at jesterradio.com. Uh, or you can email me directly, the jester at jesterradio.com goes directly to me, my eyes only. 
No Dolly, no Bob. Everybody uh, stays away from my email. It's private. So if you got something you want to say just to me, the jester at jesterradio.com. Uh, so many other ways of getting in touch. Uh, explore them all at jesterradio.com, the website. Also, the Jester Radio chat room is now officially open. You'll find it there on the website. Click on chat. Uh, put in uh, your name or a reasonable facsimile thereof. Maybe a little something, something about yourself, if you uh, like. And uh, press the uh, Volano button and instant change presto. Uh, you'll be transported to a location uh, far, far away with uh, all the coolest uh, folks hanging around in there. Time to turn our attention to the headlines from high atop Jest Radio Studios in a secret location outside your universe. Fresh off his eighth Iraq visit, Senator John McClain de, uh, McCain de, declared today that, quote, we're succeeding, and said that he wouldn't change course even as the U.S. death toll rose to 4,000 and the war entered its sixth year, twice as long as World War II lasted. To underscore his view of the stakes in Iraq, the certain Republican president nominee twice referenced a recent audio tape from Osama bin Laden uh, in which the al-Qaeda leader urged followers to join the al-Qaeda fight in Iraq and called the country the greatest opportunity and the biggest task. So, <laughs> not sure where he's going with that, but if Osama bin Laden is calling everybody to go to Iraq, then isn't that the place where we should not be? For the first time, I have seen Osama bin Laden and General David Petraeus in agreement, and that is a central battleground in the battle against al-Qaeda in Iraq today, and that's what bin Laden was saying and that's what General Petraeus is saying, and that's what I'm saying, my friends. You know, this is the uh, Republicans' uh, scam to point to the general in the field and say he wants us to stay. I mean, should we not listen to our general? As if generals make foreign policy rather than carry it out. Generals don't decide where to stay. And I assure you, if you ask General Petraeus right now, do you want to go home? He'll say yes. So, um, but when they ask him, um, do you recommend from your military perspective, should you leave? There's no military man in the fucking world that would say, yeah, let's get out, unless there's some kind of uh, declaration of surrender in his hand. That's the way they work. So you don't ask the general, should we stay? <laughs> they don't decide. And my Democratic opponents who want to pull out of Iraq refuse to understand what's being said and what's happening, and that it's the central battleground is Iraq in this struggle against radical Islamic extremism. So in other words, he sees that Iraq is just the uh, hotbed of fighting it out uh, for this 10,000-year-old war, and that's where he wants to be. Makes perfect sense to me. McCain also said Democratic rivals Barack Obama and, and Hillary Rodham Clinton were naive and dead wrong to want to withdraw the troops. We're succeeding. I don't care what anybody says. He doesn't care what anybody says. By the way, there's a sure sign of uh, somebody that's not uh, open to uh, critical reasoning. I don't care what anybody says. Actually, what you're supposed to say is, I care what people say. I'm listening to everybody around me. Um, you can argue with somebody, you can argue with anybody except for the person who says he doesn't care what anybody says. 
I don't care what anybody says, uh, there's a God. I've seen the facts on the ground, the Arizona senator insisted, a day after a roadside bomb in Baghdad killed four U.S. soldiers and rockets pounded the U.S.-protected green zone there in a wave of attacks left at least 61 Iraqis dead nationwide. The events transpired as bin Laden called on the people of Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia to, quote, help in support of their Mujahideen brothers in Iraq, which is the greatest opportunity and the biggest task. Isn't that what he's been saying for six years? Despite all that, McCain told reporters, I don't think I would change the strategy now unless General Petraeus recommended it. I think he's trusted by the American people, the president, and me. That's all that matters. General Petraeus again showed me facts on the ground where the surge is succeeding. Democrats took issue with his remarks and cast his candidacy as a repeat of President Bush's tenure. As Americans mark another somber milestone in the Iraq uh, war, said uh, um, Democratic Party spokeswoman uh, Karen Finney, uh, John McCain continues his pattern of parroting the Bush administration's misleading rhetoric on the war. In the midst of a Western fundraising swing after a week abroad, including visits to Iraq, uh, the Middle East, and Europe, the Arizona senator didn't mention the grim casualty milestone or the last week's fifth anniversary of the conflict as he spoke to veterans and others at a stuffy Veterans of Foreign Wars building during a town hall-style campaign uh, outside of San Diego. Hard to imagine how these people, uh, McCain, uh, Obama, and Clinton, can do whatever fucking job they have, uh, their senators, um, when they're touring around Iraq and doing all these campaign speeches. Aren't they supposed to be in the Senate voting on shit? Hillary Rodham, I, the, the, I know the, the Arizona and New York <laughs> and Illinois are not getting their uh, money's worth. Hillary Rodham Clinton's campaign said she misspoke last week when saying... She had landed under sniper fire during a trip to Bosnia as First Lady in March of 96. This is like an old thing. She, over the years, uh, has bragged about how she went to Bosnia in 96. And then over the years, like, it sort of it, it morphed from I landed in Bosnia, I landed amid, amidst, uh, you know, hailing gunfire. It sort of got uh, exaggerated over the years. The Obama campaign suggested it was a deliberate exaggeration by Clinton, who often cites the Goodwill trip with her daughter and several celebrities as an example of her foreign policy experience. During a speech last Monday in Iraq, she said of the Bosnia trip, I remember landing under sniper fire. There was supposed to be some kind of greeting ceremony at the airport, but instead we just ran with our heads down to get into the vehicles to get uh, to our base. According to AP story at the time, Clinton was placed under no extraordinary risks on that trip, and one of her companions, comedian Sinbad, told the post uh, the washington post he had no recollection of uh, any threat or gunfire when asked today about the new york senator's remarks about the trip clinton spokesman howard wolfson pointed to clinton's written account in her book living history in which she described a shortened welcoming ceremony at tuzla air base in bosnia herzegovina due to reports of snipers in the hills Around the airstrip, we were forced to cut short uh, an event on the tarmac with local children, though we did have time to meet them and their teachers and to learn how hard they had worked during the war to continue classes in any safe spot they could find Clinton Roke. That's what she wrote in the book, Wolfson said. That's what she has said on many, many times. And on one occasion, she misspoke. 
So she didn't quite land under a hail of gunfire. But um, again, you know, th- this is um, we have these people defending things because other people bring them up, troublemakers. So it's the uh, Obama, you know, camp that is pointing to the statement she made last week about landing under a hail of gunfire, and they just have to point it out, make a fuss about it, derail anything that she has going so that she has to stop and explain that shit. And even the irony to me is even though she may have misspoke or intentionally exaggerated or outright bullshitted, in any case, um, in reference to foreign, uh, you know, uh, trips, well, how many foreign trips has uh, Obama made? So <laughs> to say she's exaggerating her foreign policy experience, what's his fucking foreign policy experience? The remains of two U.S. contractors kidnapped in Iraq more than a year ago have been recovered, uh, said uh, the FBI today, weeks after families of several long-missing men gained hope that they might be found alive. Ronald Withrow of Roaring Springs, Texas, and John Roy Young of Kansas City, Missouri, were among six Western contractors kidnapped uh, all separately. The disappearances received new attention this month when the severed fingers of several of the uh, men were sent to the U.S. military in Iraq. Uh, Relatives had taken the discovery of the fingers as a hopeful sign, including the father of Jonathan Cote, who's still missing. We feel very sad that this is how it turned out. We wish it turned out a better way, Francis Coates said from his home in Getzville, New York, near Buffalo. Coates said he had spoken to the families of Withrow and Young. He said that he was holding out hope that his son is still alive and that the discovery of the bodies uh, dampened those hopes. Let me say this. I'm not as optimistic as I was in the past. You could see why McCain would uh, feel that things are improving. Because uh, they only sent them the fingertips, not the whole fingers, which is much, much better. Meanwhile, Hillary Rodham Clinton advisor James Carville, one of my favorite characters in politics, uh, is just refusing to apologize for comparing the New Mexico governor, Bill Richardson, to Judas. Uh, This guy decided he would uh, jump on the Obama bandwagon and um, endorse him. And after the many, many long-year relationship that he's had with the Clintons, uh, it seems a little unexpected. So he's probably, um, people like this probably pick uh, the candidate they think will be the winner so that they're on the winning team um, and the loyalty and the experience and, you know, who, who they think is best for the job have nothing to do with it. Carville made the comparison to the New York Times after Richardson, once a member of the President Clinton's cabinet, uh, endorsed Hillary Clinton rival Barack Obama last week for the Democratic presidential nomination. Carville called it an act of betrayal and pointed out that it came during Holy Week. <laughs> Mr. Richardson's endorsement came right around the anniversary of the day when Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So I think the timing is appropriate, he said. Richardson told Fox News Sunday that he wouldn't respond by getting in the gutter like that. That's typical of many of these people around Clinton, Richardson said. (laughs) Uh, They think they have a sense of entitlement to the presidency. Carville told CNN today that Richardson had committed an egregious act 
and he intended to make a sharp response to it. I wanted to use a very strong metaphor to make my point, Carville said. I doubt if Governor Richardson and I will be particularly close in the future. Clinton spokeswoman uh, Wolfson told uh, Jester Radio today he didn't agree with Carville's comment. If I had said it, uh, I would apologize, Wolfson said. I did not say it, uh, and if I had, I would, but that's up to him. Richardson served as an ambassador to the United Nations and as energy secretary during the Clinton administration. Those are just two made-up jobs. Uh, You could do them. There's nothing involved. Uh, there's a lot of um, wearing uh, tuxedos for you know dinners and shit, but there's no real work involved. Hey, you're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio this Monday, March the 24th. We're going to start you off with Retha, who celebrates her 66th birthday tomorrow. Imagine that. Please don't fuck with that doll. You're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. on Jester Radio, 66 years old tomorrow, and that was 1968, 40 years ago. I tell you, it's um, still sounding as good as ever to me. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown this Monday, March the 24th. Uh, Why not stop by the Jester Radio chat room at www.jesterradio.com. Cutie Louie is in there um, flirting with all the boys. Major Kwame Kilpatrick was charged with perjury and other offenses today. They always fucking get you on the line. It's not what you do. It's what you lie about. That's what pisses Congress off. And he got a stern lecture about the importance of telling the truth after a trove of raunchy text messages contradicted his sworn denials 
of an affair with his chief aide. What is the deal? Um, are we even allowed to ask politicians about who they're fucking? Uh, shouldn't that just be plain off limits? Um, if you feel that you need to know the you know personal sexual habits of somebody before you vote for them, then maybe uh, you're not adult enough yet to vote. Um, you know, since uh, you may want that, <laughs> you may feel that helps you determine what kind of character he has, but um, it's still his own private fucking business, so. The 37-year-old hip-hop mayor who brought youth and vitality to the job in the uh, struggling city of Detroit, 900,000 people, can get up to 15 years in prison for perjury alone and would be automatically expelled from the office if, if convicted. Well, I, mean, I couldn't imagine he would serve from jail. Ignoring mounting demands that he stepped down, Kilpatrick said, I look forward to complete exoneration once all the facts have been brought forth. I will remain focused on moving this city forward. Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy brought charges of perjury, conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and misconduct against the popular but polarizing mayor. In announcing the charges, she delivered something of a civics lesson on the importance of telling the truth under oath. Some have suggested that the issues in this case are personal or private, said Worthy, a Democratic, uh, a Democrat like the uh, mayor. Our investigation has clearly shown that the public dollars were used, people's lives were ruined, the justice system severely mocked, and the public trust trampled on. Yeah, I'm not sure I see a law broken anywhere in there. Uh, system mocked, public trust, I'm not sure what the law is. She added, the case is about as far from being a private matter as one can get. Well, this is what just <laughs> she says. But in fact, the case was about who he was fucking, who he was having an affair with. Uh, ruined lives? I guess the lives were ruined because um, this cunt had to make this whole thing public. Uh, you know, I feel very strongly that um, I would love to know everything about, you know, people that work for me. Um, I'd like to know what their religion is, and I'd like to know how much money they spend on porn, and I'd like to know how many drugs they take. You know, all these things might better help me assess whether or not they're good for working for my radio station. But um, in America, you're still entitled to privacy over those issues. And I think decent people respect that. Kilpatrick's former chief of staff, Christine Beattie, uh, 37, who also denied under oath that she and Kilpatrick had an intimate relationship back in uh, 02 and 03, was charged with many of the same offenses. A call to her lawyer was not immediately returned. I, you know, we're like, we're like five years old. We have to know every little fucking detail of everybody else's life, you know? We just need to... Um, we just need to keep our fucking noses from up each other's asses. It's just become... Um, a, a terrible environment where everybody seems to feel like they're entitled to know everything about you and what goes on, where you put your dick, and, you know, my fucking dick, and I'll put it anywhere I goddamn please. None of your fucking business. Um, and I would say that to my boss, and in America, the president works for the people, and the mayor works for the people. Uh, this guy works for the people of... Um, um, Detroit. I don't know. Uh, are they are they entitled to know uh, who he's fucking? Uh, 
I don't think so. Maybe you do. 646-502-8600. Let me know. The Justice Department today approved Sirius Satellite Radio's proposed $5 billion buyout of rival XM Satellite Radio Holdings, saying the deal was unlikely to lessen competition or to harm consumers. The transaction was approved without conditions, despite opposition from consumer groups and an intense lobbying campaign by the land-based radio industry. Consumer groups can't even fucking imagine what their problem is um, with doubling the channels on their satellite radio receiver. Um, but, of course, the terrestrial radio stations are uh, going apeshit. Um, you know, they know this. Day, they know the day is coming when terrestrial radio is, you know, is finished. Already you can listen to uh, internet radio, you know, in your car or at your office. So there's very little reason to stick with terrestrial radio. It sounds like shit. It's hard to tune in. Uh, you can't do anything cool like record it or rewind it. Um, but you can do all those things with internet radio and, of course, satellite radio. Uh, the combination still requires approval from the Federal Communications Commission, which prohibited a merger when it first granted satellite operating licenses back in 97. The Justice Department, in a statement explaining its decision, said the combination of the companies won't hurt competition because the companies aren't competing. Customers must buy equipment that's exclusive to either XM or Sirius, and subscribers rarely switch providers. People just don't do that. Uh, Assistant Attorney General for the Antitrust Division Thomas Barnett said, in a conference call with reporters, the government also appeared to endorse a central uh, argument that companies use in pushing for the merger that ample competition is provided by other forms of audio entertainment, including high-def radio, internet radio, uh, and the uh, Apple iPod. The likely evolution of technology in the future, including the expected introduction in the next several years of mobile broadband internet devices, some of which uh, folks uh, have already, make it even more unlikely that the transaction would harm consumers in the long term. I signed up with XM Radio years back when uh, they started uh, doing a show with Bob Dylan. Uh, since then, Howard, joined, Howard Stern um, quit uh, his uh, terrestrial gig and signed up with Sirius. It's the only time I regretted not having Sirius because I do miss Howard. Um, I used to listen to him every single day in New York, but uh, between Howard and Dylan, I would uh, still take Dylan. But now I don't have to decide. I'll get them both. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen when they merge the two companies, but there is talk that folks would be, you know, on one plan would be able to get channels from the uh, other station. So we'll see how that works out. But I don't even know why they need approval from the FCC. Who the fuck are they to tell them? I mean, uh, they say that the uh, bandwidth, um, the radio, the airwaves are a, um, uh, you know, public uh, treasure that we all share in them and that uh, the government has to, you know, we can't have chaos with everybody just using whatever frequency they want. We have to hand out a license for that frequency because it's in the public interest. There's only so much... Uh, you know, radio dial from um, D.C. to daylight, as they say. There's only so much frequency with, but the truth is, it's just meaningless. Frequency is meaningless. 
um, because there's unlimited bandwidth for radio and entertainment, you know, TV over the internet, where it's all going anyway, and the radio waves, you know, won't mean shit. So, and this FCC, they're like a bunch of fucking Nazis uh, going around telling everybody, you know, what curse words they can say on the air and. You know, what percentage of the TV that you watch is broadcast TV? It's mostly cable TV uh, from, from most folks. So, hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown this Monday, March the 24th. I'm just getting over something or I'm fighting something. I don't know if you can hear it. I don't know if you can hear it in my throat or my um, uh, nasal cavities or my... But my head hurts, too. That's what's bothering me today. Yesterday and the day before, it was my tummy. And today, it's my kepi. So maybe it's moving around. Uh, but we'll uh, just uh, push through. Hanging in the Just Radio with chat, uh, chat room with S. Poe and Louie. Why not stop by and say hi? A couple of uh, good uh, friends of mine. And Louie is baking tonight. So maybe um, she'll uh, tell you what uh, types of uh, bakery products that she's making. If I were a betting man, I would say uh, cookies. If I were a betting man, I'd take a look at us, not with sentimental eyes. With a gambler's distrust, I'd check out the track record, note what the data shows. And I'd say I'm bound to go, if I were a betting From the start I learned to play the odds so well To tell a sure thing from a long shot I played the game of love and found it could be hell And I learned to close my heart off But this time around it would be different And I would make a stand Stick with you And every time I ran But if I were a betting man I'd take a look at us Not with sentimental eyes But a gambler's distrust I'd check out the track record Note what the data shows And I'd say I'm bound to go if I were a betting man Now it sounds so simple when you ask me to be kind But your kindness is only what you've made it And when the talk turns to what is yours and what is mine well, I see fairness overrated Stand and stick with you through all the things we plan. But if I were a betting man, I'd take a look at us, not with sentimental eyes, but a gambler's distrust. I'd check out the track record, note what the data shows, and I'd say I am now. 
If I were a betting man Now I have been so many men I think that I've lost track Hey, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. Who's calling? Who's there? You're on the air with the jester. Who's there? Uh, you there, caller? Caller? Well, then call back. Hey, you're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Uh, some uh, slightly uh, interrupted uh, Daryl purpose there. If I were a betting man, uh, I'd check out the track record and see what the data showed and... And then I'd be on my fucking way. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Monday, March the 24th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Uh, whoever the caller was that we hung up on or that hung up on me, please call back. Uh, scientists plan to put one of the two twin Mars rovers to sleep and limit the activities of the other robot to fulfill a uh, NASA order to... Hmm. Hey, you there? You there? Caller? You're on the air. We're not hearing. We're not hearing the caller today. You there? Caller today? Why not? Uh, there you go. Who's calling? It, it's uh, DP from uh, Colorado. I was listening to the tunes and enjoying the tunes, and I thought that last. <laughs> you like that last one, huh? I see. And I said, you know, I, I like the sound of that. And I said, wait a minute. No, that's me. It, it took you a while to hit you, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thanks for calling, Daryl. How you doing, bud? Hey, I'm doing all right. I'm up here at Rocky Mountain High. This is the warmest day of the year, so I got the old bike out. And... It's the warmest day of the year? Yeah. Uh, is so it far. Is it really? Yeah, it was... It was um, I'm at 8,500 feet, and it was up up past 50 degrees. How can you breathe? Oh, you breathe well up here. There's no, you, no garbage up here. You have like a, a an aqua lung that you bike around with? <laughs> no, so, you know, so, up here, they get used to it. So what's what's uh, in the future for Daryl Purpose? What do we have to look forward to? Are you playing out sometime, or what's going on? I'm not playing out. I'm, write, I'm writing a book. I'm finally writing that book that everybody told me I, I need to write. About your life story? Pretty much, yep. How do you like this new movie that's coming out next week about your life story, pretty much? 
Well, you know, this is the movie that got made instead of my life story. Actually, the script that had my life story got made its way around Hollywood, but it was after they had already, this had already gone into production, and everybody seemed to like it a lot, but they said, we have to wait and see what happens with 21. Sons of bitches. I know. So, who's who's going to so play well, Daryl? Oh, we don't know yet. You know, somebody said, uh, oh, somebody said, like, Brad Pitt. And uh-huh. Said, no, but no, seriously. He's too old. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> maybe like, a, uh, um, you know who would be great? Um, um, Christopher Lloyd. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, or who's the guy? There is a guy that, like, actually does look like me a little bit. He's... Uh, I know. I was trying to think of that guy, but I can't. He's bald. Yeah, he had a movie made, and his name was his name was like in the title of the movie. Yeah, he's got like the space between his teeth, and he's uh, but Malkovich. He, yeah, he looks no, not Malkovich. Yeah, John Malkovich looks like you. I think so. Hmm. I'm scary like that. He's not the one I would think of. Do you have any hair on your head now? No, no hair in my head. Yeah, no. I don't think Malkovich would be the good would be the good choice. But, you know, it's a, it's a story about my life between... The script is a story about my life from, like, 19 to 22. So, oh, 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 I see. So it skips a lot of uh, interesting stuff. Well, you get, no, I guess... No, it just, it just pretends that it happened before I was 22. I see. <laughs> so the book that you're writing now, is it just about the gambling, or is it about the peace march, or is it about the... Or is it everything? Um, the Turing... Uh, being uh, chased around Moscow by the Russian mafia, the the uh, encounter with the Yakuza in uh, Seoul, Korea one day. No, you know, it's just I'm going to use all those stories to make it interesting, but it's going to be more of a uh, more of a um, uh, you know I don't know that I want to like maybe I'll let your uh, viewers in on it a little bit. Go ahead. There's a book called um, "Look Me in the Eye," and uh, that's going to be kind of the template for my book. It's a it's it's a book that's current and on the New York Times. Wow, uh, I'll definitely check it out. Well, I'm very very psyched. Well, I'm sorry to hear you're not playing out, but you know we're always playing Daryl here on Just Radio. I've I've heard it a couple times. every single day. Awful nice. Yeah, and um, we're going to really look forward to that book. You don't have a title yet, do you? No title. All right. Well, you're going to call back again when you're. When you got something else going? Uh, hey, you know, I'll, I'll do that. I appreciate it, bud. Here's a, ten- here's a tentative title for you. Right side is zero. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. That's got that double, uh, triple, quadruple entendre thing going on there. Yeah, we'll, we'll call that a working title. All right. All right, great. Thank you very much. Daryl Purpose yeah, on Just Radio. Good to talk to you, bud. Bye. Um, the um, actual uh, pr- uh, progenitor of the song that we played uh, before that um, fascinating dude who um, who's just done so much uh, interesting and cool shit with his life, uh, including that uh, famous peace march back in the 80s when a bunch of folks walked uh, across the entire country. And he also made a living for a while um, counting cards um, in uh, casinos and had all kinds of hairy adventures. And he's one of the great um, modern songwriters of our day. Scientists plan to put one of the twin uh, Mars rovers to sleep and limit the activities of the other robot to fulfill a NASA order to cut $4 bucks from the program's budget. 
A mission team member said today the news comes amid belt tightening at NASA headquarters. $4 million they had to cut. They had to shut down the fucking robot. You know what $4 million is? It's like half of one of those tanks that we have in Iraq. The news comes uh, amid the belt tightening, which is under pressure to uh, juggle Mars exploration and projects to study the rest of the solar system. The solar-powered rover's spirit and opportunity have dazzled scientists and the public with findings of geologic evidence that water once flowed uh, at or near the surface of Mars long ago. Yeah, who the fuck needs to know that? Who needs to know if we're alone in the fucking universe or not? Um, you know, we need that money for the war. Both rovers were originally planned for three. Can you imagine? They went in and told NASA, cut four million bucks, shut something down. Four million bucks? It's like chicken feed. This is an administration that's spending half a billion dollars a month on this war. Rovers were originally planned for a three-month mission at a cost of $820 million, but are now in their fourth year of exploration. It costs NASA about $20 bucks a year to keep them going. Last week's directive from NASA cut $4 million, um, and it means that Spirit's going to be forced into hibernation in the coming weeks. It's very demoralizing to the team, um, said uh, this guy Squires from NASA. Spirit is parked on a sunny slope for the Martian winter and was going to gather atmospheric measurements before the budget cut. Instead, it'll now just stay in sleep mode for most of the winter and stop all science gathering. Too fucking bad. What a shame. You know, I remember living in a time when, you know, it seemed like being an American was just a constant adventure. Uh, we were just doing all kinds of cool shit and breaking all kinds of cool ground. And I don't know, not so much anymore. Hey, you're listening to The Ravings of a Clown this Monday, March the 24th, the year of our Lord, 2008. And I feel it in my fingers. You know that feeling? You know what I'm talking about. Don't fuck with that dial.
by the way that I can There's no beginning, there'll be no end Cause all my love, you can be Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Cloud on JR. It's Monday, March the 24th. Daryl Purpose just called in and gave us the scoop that he's writing a, a book about his life story. So you heard it here on JR first, and we're going to keep you uh, posted on that. Ladies and gentlemen, George Michael is giving North America one more try. You know, I'm really, I'm so sad about this because it's just too easy uh, you know, we have these um, b- bad folks in pop music, you know, that we just love to goof on. And, um, I get, you know, I don't, the guy's queer is a $3 bill or his, you know. But the, some of the music that those guys made, um, Wham, um, was some decent music, wasn't it? The pop star is gearing up for his first tour of the United States in 17 years, opening a multi-city 25 live tour in San Diego on June 17th, he announced today the tour is scheduled to wrap in Sunrise, Florida on August 8th. So, you know, check it out at georgemichael.com. Um, he's going to release a Greatest Hits album on April 1st called 25. And he's had some, uh, you know, great, great tunes, and uh, the, especially the band uh, Wham! Um, had this uh, great tune. This is the album version, the longer version. It's like a minute and a half longer. And it is so fucking sweet. Wham! on Just the Radio.
time can never mend the careless whispers of a good friend to the heart and mind ignorance is kind there's no comfort in the truth pain is all you find george michael on jester radio i don't know i mean i guess he sounds kind of gay but i do love that song love that line there's no comfort in the truth Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. It's Monday, March the 24th, marking a grim milestone. A determined President Bush declared today that the lives of 4,000 U.S. military men and women who have died in Iraq were not lost in vain. The White House signaled anew that additional troops won't be pulled out soon. A roadside bomb in Baghdad killed four U.S. soldiers on Sunday, pushing the death total to 4,000 number pales compared with those of other lengthy U.S. wars, but it's much higher than many Americans, including Bush, ever expected after the swift U.S. invasion of Iraq five years ago. Mission accomplished, remember? Bush proclaimed the end of major combat operations in Iraq back on May of 2003. Almost all the U.S. deaths there have happened since then. One day people will look back at this moment in history and say, say thank God there were courageous people willing to serve because they laid the foundations for peace for generations to come, Bush said, after a State Department briefing about long-term diplomacy efforts. I have vowed in the past, and I will vow so as long as I am president, to make sure that those lives were not lost in vain, that, in fact, there's an outcome that will merit the sacrifice. There's an outcome. The end will justify the means. Means being lying to the American people to get them into the war, then killing the American people to keep them in the war, and the ends will justify the means. And this is the sentiment of this imperialistic mentality, this attitude that uh, history will vindicate us. Uh, history will redeem our actions, even though they may be against uh, world opinion or even against American opinion. Um, uh, I'll go down in the history books as having uh, brought about peace in the Middle East. Um, it's just, um, you know, this is what happens when somebody bases their foreign policy on what they think God has instructed them to do. These are the kind of people who really don't want, uh, you know, running a serious business like a country or a war. Maybe like an Arby's would be good. Although for this uh, moron... He couldn't even manage uh, an, a fucking oil company that was handed to him on a silver platter. Not just once, but twice. He fucking flushed them down the toilet. So this is the guy who says, you know, get behind me and follow me. Uh, I know what I'm doing. History will bear us out. Less than a week after losing in the U um, latest U.S. Spectrum auction, Google has started pitching its plan to use TV white space on licensed and unused airwaves to provide wireless internet. In a letter to the FCC released by Google today, the internet search giant pressed the government to open up the white space for unlicensed use in hopes of enabling more widespread affordable internet across the airwaves. As Google has pointed out previously, the vast majority of viable spectrum in this country simply goes unused or else is grossly underutilized, uh, said uh, Richard Witt, Google's Washington telecom and media lawyer. Unlike other natural resources... There's no benefit in allowing the, spe the uh, spectrum to lie fallow. Google said the white space located between channels 2 and 51 on TV sets that aren't hooked up to satellite or cable TV services are a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity 
to provide ubiquitous wireless broadband access to all Americans. Google wants to put out a, a wireless mesh system similar to what um, I think a company called Airstream or something like that is doing, um, where basically they would just blanket the country with wireless Internet. And you can just sign up for it, and it's there wherever you want. And the end of fucking cable, and the end of, you know, looking for a hot spot. Wherever you go, there it is. In addition, opening up the spectrum w would enable much-needed competition in the incumbent broadband service providers. I don't know where you live, but in most places around the country, you have one or two choices. Just like other, you know, major uh, media outlets, these people... Um, these companies, the phone companies, the cable companies, all these communications companies, um, they just spend all day and night in court with each other trying to uh, muscle each other out of their each other's territory. It's like one big clusterfuck out there, and nobody gets any real choice because by the time all the lawsuits clear, um, you you only get one or two. Uh, you know, chances of uh, broadband. Either you have the DSL, which sucks, or you have the cable, which sucks. This isn't the first time that Google has urged the FCC to open up TV white space, but the Internet's company's public letter sent on Friday was notable given Google's involvement in the just-ended 700 megahertz wireless spectrum auction. Google was outbid by Verizon, but the Internet company had already convinced the FCC to require the winner of a specific portion of the spectrum to allow subscribers to use any compatible wireless device they want. So they can't be restricted by what kind of device they use. So it can be a computer or a laptop or a mobile phone. Google is also developing mobile phone software known as Android that uh, several device makers are using um, to put in their handsets. Google is betting that it can boost its online advertising business by making it easier for mobile consumers to get access to the Internet. Duh. That's what, uh, you know, F uh, Ford did, you know, uh, 150 years ago. He went out and spent money on roads so that more people would need to buy his cars. Hey, you're listening to The Ravings of a Clown this Monday, March the 24th, the year of our Lord, 2008. So here's the rest of the story with the Jeff. I was telling you last week that I was talking to her, and I told her about this dream that I had where she got married, and then the next day I was, like, fucked up the whole day, and... Um, so I, so she says, so what is the one thing that you were thinking about that out of this whole conversation? Cause she knows that I'll hear 90 minutes of speech and I can memorize, you know, I'm very good at memorizing things, long poems and lyrics, but when people talk to me and I, they say like a certain thing that freaks me out, I just don't hear anything else. I just hear only those like seven words out of the 90 minutes of talking. So out of this conversation, I walked away with, this comment that she made, who knows, I may have six or seven lovers before I die. So, and then this just wouldn't fucking, you know, leave my head. So, and I had this dream where I met her new husband, and I was, <laughs> and I went inside to, to go get some luggage or something. We were, like, camping out, and I went into the cabin, and I, and I met the guy, and he goes, oh, yeah, me and Jeff just got married. I was like, oh, yeah, congratulations, I had heard. And then as I go to shake his hand... I just, like, freak out. I th you know, like, it just occurs to me, like, she's fucking you? Is that true? And then, you know, all this shit about uh, that we deal with when 
it occurs to us that somebody that we care about is now fucking somebody else. It's like the worst, the worst thing. So she says, so what is it, the, the, the thing, the, the words that you were like, you know, festering over for days and days before you had this dream? I said, well, you know, among all the things you said, you made this comment, hey, I may have six or seven lovers before I die. And she bursts out hysterically laughing. And she says, well, yeah, and I think I also said, or I may have none. So, of course, she did, and her saying that reminded me, but I didn't have any recollection of that. So that was the, um, the upshot of that call, um, that, um, that, one, the, that, that one comment that ended up freaking me out for, you know, for three or four days and couldn't think of anything else was just this casual, exaggerated remark that had no like, you know, real intent um but you know just goes to show you this is the this is the one that i um that i ended up thinking about so i don't know anyway hanging with s poe and louie in the Chester radio chat room why not stop by and say hi six four six five oh two uh something 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 what's what are those digits bob Six four six five zero two eighty six hundred gets you live on the air with the jester. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air within fifteen minutes, or I have my left testicle surgically removed live on the air without the benefit of anesthesia. Tracy Chapman on Jester Radio. Don't touch that dial.
Where it is so hard 
break-even point I know just where it is so hard to tell but if you don't know where even is how can you know if you're doing well Daryl Purpose on Jester Radio right side of zero from the uh, same name album in, back in 95 uh, with that super tasty uh, harmonica by Mark Josephs and uh, that uh, haunting violin by Daryl S before that, we heard from a pair of uh, women that sound a lot like each other. Joan Armour, Trading the Weakness in Me. Tracy Chapman, Baby, Can I Hold You Tonight? And you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Monday, March the 24th, the year of our Lord, 2008. 
which side of that uh, zero point are you at? I guess for me it moves around a lot, hovers right around that zero point a lot. So I guess that's the best we can ever hope for is that ultimately we'll end up on that plus side on the number line. But, you know, a lot of times we spend much of our time (laughs) on the negative side. You know what I'm talking about. The United Kingdom has been ranked as one of the most stable and prosperous countries in the world, beating the United States, France, and even Switzerland in a global assessment of every nation's achievements and standards. A one-year investigation and analysis of 235 countries and uh, dependent territories has put the UK just seventh of the Premier League of Nations. The top ten compromise uh, uh, comprise, I should say, uh, of course, the Vatican. <laughs> Everybody there is a billionaire. Sweden, Luxembourg, Mon- Monaco, Gibraltar, uh, San Marino, Liechtenstein, and the Netherlands and the Irish Republic. Sweden, by the way, holy crap! If you if you have ever been to Sweden, you know what I'm talking about. The women are unreal. It's like it's like you it's like you're walking through the city of Stockholm. It's like walking through a fucking porno movie. Every one of them tall, blonde, and gorgeous, and they speak perfect English. They speak better English than the chicks in New York do. The U.S. led 22nd, and Switzerland, normally associated with wealth and untouchable stability, is rated 17th losing points in the assessment of its social achievements. The bottom 10, surprisingly, do not include Iraq. They're listed as Gaza and the West Bank, (laughs) Somalia, Sudan, Afghanistan, Ivory Coast, Haiti, Zimbabwe, Chad, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and the Central African Republic. The U.K. received high marks despite the deployment of combat troops in Iraq and Afghanistan, the suicide bombings in London back in 2005, the continuing threat from homegrown terrorists and the collapse of the Northern Rock Bank, the global check on every country recognized as an individual state or territory by the UN was carried out by Jane's Information Group and was published today. So, feel the pride. Number 22. Police say belongings removed from a Southern Oregon man's property have begun slowly reappearing at his home. A day after a pair of hoax ads on Craigslist cost Robert Salisbury almost all of his shit. The ads popped up on Saturday afternoon saying the owner of a Jacksonville home was forced to leave the area suddenly and had uh, his belongings, including a horse, were free for the taking. Uh, But the ads were a hoax. He had no plans to leave. The independent contractor was at Emigrant Lake when he got a call from a woman who would stop by his house to take the horse. On his way home, he stopped a truck that was loaded down with his work ladders and his lawnmower and his weed eater. He says, I informed them that I was the owner, but they refused to give the stuff back. They showed me the Craigslist printout and told me they had a right to do what they did. The driver sped away. After rebuking Salisbury on his way home, he spotted other cars filled with his shit. Once home, he was greeted by close to 30 people rummaging through his barn and his front porch. The trespassers, armed all with prints of the ad, tried to brush him off. They honestly thought that because it appeared on the Internet, it was true, Salisbury said. It boggles the fucking mind. Jacksonville police and Jackson County Sheriff's deputies arrived, but by then several cars packed with his shit had already left. He turned some license plates uh, numbers over to the authorities. 
Uh, by late today, some people who had learned of the hoax began to return some of the stuff. Authorities weren't able to say how much or what had been returned, but did say by late this afternoon items were starting to pile up in his driveway. Michelle Easley had seen the ad that claimed Salisbury's horse had been declared abandoned by the sheriff's department and was free to a good home. I can't stand to see a horse suffer, so I drove out there and got her, Easley said. The horse didn't look abandoned. She's in good shape for a 32-year-old, but it looked odd, so she left a note on Salisbury's door uh, explaining the ad. She then decided to make sure the ad was legitimate um, when the second ad appeared. I feel bad because I was a part of it, Easley said. It felt right to call the police. Fagan praised Easley's honesty but said prosecution was likely for anybody who was caught with his shit. Officers are still con contacting people who were seen leaving his house. Um, if they return the taken items, no charges will be filed. Many people didn't return what they took, uh, may face charges. Um, detectives has contacted Craigslist a legal team to try and figure out who you know put the ad, but they still have no idea. Meanwhile, Salisbury couldn't even relax on his front porch swing. The fuckers took that, too. Can you imagine? First of all, whoever reads an ad that says, come take all my shit, if they don't know that it's a hoax, they're a retard. They should be fucking thrown in jail just for, uh, you know, being so fucking stupid. Because nobody would ever say, I'm leaving my horse. Uh, you know, anybody could just drop by and take all my shit. Uh, nobody would do such a thing. So those people, I fear, were being disingenuous when they said that they truly believed that uh, it was their lucky day. Leonid Stadnik's phenomenal height has forced him to quit the job he loved to stoop as he moves around his house and to spend most of his time in his tiny home village because he can't find a car or fit in a bus. But Stadnik, who according to the Guinness World Records is the world's tallest human, says his condition has also taught him that the world is filled with kind-hearted strangers. Since his recognition by Ukrainian record keepers four years ago and by Guinness last year, people from all over Ukraine and the world have shipped him outsized clothing, provided his home with running water, and recently presented him with a giant bicycle. Thanks to good people, I have shoes and clothes, said the 37-year-old former veterinarian who still lives with his 66-year-old mother. Back in 06, Stadnik was officially measured at 2.57 meters tall. That's right, 8 feet 9 inches, surpassing a Chinese guy uh, to claim the title of the world's tallest person. The growth spurt began when he was 14 years old after a brain operation that apparently stimulated the overproduction of growth hormone. Doctors say he's been growing ever since. I mean, brain surgery... In, uh, in the in the Ukraine, <laughs> you fucking imagine? It's a miracle the guy's walking at all. While he may appear intimidating due to his size, Stadnik claims visitors uh, charms visitors with a broad grin and childlike laugh. He seems at time at times like a lonely boy trapped in a giant's body, even keeping stuffed toys on his pillow. Stadnik's stature has earned him worldwide attention. But he has mostly, uh, it's uh, mostly a burden to him. He has to battle to lead anything close to a normal life. All the doorways in his one-story brick house are too short for him to pass through without stooping over. His uh, 440 pounds cause constant knee pain and often force him to move around on crutches. He loves animals, but he had to quit as a veterinarian at a cattle farm in a nearby village after suffering frostbite when he walked to work. 
in his socks in the winter. He couldn't afford uh, the specially made shoes for his size 17 feet. He had to walk to work in the snow in his socks because he has size 17 feet. His recent fame has brought him friends from all over the world and taught him not to despair. A German man who said he was the distant relative uh, invited Stadnik for a visit several years ago. On the trip, Stadnik got to sample frog legs in an elegant restaurant, saw a roller coaster in an amusement park, both for the first time. Saw the roller coaster, of course. He couldn't sit in it. Shortly after that, Stadnik came home one day and saw a brand-new computer connected to the web sitting on his desk, a gift from a local Internet provider. Company workers sneaked into the house with little spies to install the equipment, Stadnik joked. Since then, he made numerous online friends, including several in the U.S., Australia, and Russia. He hopes to learn English so he can communicate better with uh, his Anglophile contacts. Currently, he relies on computer translations, which are often inadequate. You know, there are these websites you can go to where you type in a sentence, they give you back the sentence in English, you know, and he cuts and pastes in in the instant messaging. That's how he communicates. Not only the postman rings twice, a Jackson County, uh, Florida uh, man remained in jail today after he drove two cars into the post office in Ravenden Springs. Randolph County Sheriff Gary Tribble and Glenn Irving Sparling, 65, drove one vehicle into the post office on Sunday and fled the scene. The sheriff said, uh, uh, according to uh, the sheriff, he told Jonesboro television station KIT, that the car stopped running, so he went home, got another vehicle, a real antique uh, sports car, and started driving back to the post office. The sheriff said a deputy spotted him and gave chase. The pursuit ended when he ran the second car into the post office building. <laughs> he wasn't hurt. Manager of the post, op- uh, post office operations, Hillary Adams, said today that the building had an 8-foot by 8-foot hole in it. The damage is extensive. This is a small modular post office building, and it has one wall completely out right now. The contractor was on site clearing out the damaged area so uh, it can be repaired. It's so dusty in here right now, she said, coughing. Uh, Adam said Sparling had damaged the post office previously, and the sheriff said Sparling had a history of damaging post office. No one in the post office uh, when it was hit. The facility was moving mail today, but Adam said there was little demand for a walk-up service. Most people just pull up and see the hole in the wall. (laughs) Just drive on. So apparently this guy uh, faces numerous counts, including uh, felony charges of vehicular fleeing, criminal mischief, leaving the scene of an accident with property damage. He was also charged with DWI, and uh, authorities say now that federal charges, of course, are possible because it's a post office. So he's fucked with the feds. At a Zen Buddhist temple in southern Japan, even the dog prays, mimicking the master priest Yoi Yushikuni, a one-and-a-half-year-old black-and-white chihuahua named Conan, joins in the daily prayers at Naha Shuri Kanando Temple, sitting up on his hind legs and putting his little front paws together before the altar. It took him only a few days to learn the motions, and now he's the talk of the town. Word has spread, and we're getting a lot more tourists uh, Yoshikuni said today. Yoshikuni said Conan generally goes through his prayer routine at the temple in the capital of Japan, southern ok- Okinawa prefecture, without uh, prompting before his morning and evening meals. I think he saw me doing it all the time, and he got the idea to do it, uh, Yoshikuni said. The priest is now trying to teach him how to meditate. <laughs> 
Basically, I'm just trying to get him to sit still while I meditate, he said. It's not like we can make him cross his legs. Well, Mark Confer and Joanne Wainwright took the plunge, literally. The two were married uh, on Saturday in a pool. They didn't exactly jump in with both feet. Instead, they uh, came whooshing around and down a 136-foot water slide into the pool. The couple then bowed their heads while Scott Kaufman, senior pastor at College Heights Baptist Church, blessed their marriage. Then they sealed the union with a passionate, wet kiss. Confer and Wainwright are dedicated to physical fitness. Confer's passion is downhill skiing, while Wainwright has swam competitively and coached high school swim, t- swim teams most of her life. I also uh, would tell my students, if I ever get married in Alaska, I was going to get married in the Nikisi pool, Wainwright said. Even the traditional tiered wedding cake with a bride and groom on top got a new look for this wedding. Their cake was in the shape of a swimming pool with the bride and groom coiled on the diving bar- board ready to dive in. Isn't that cute? It's always cute when people have these uh, retarded weddings, and it's always uh, interesting when they get divorced. And you think to yourself, man, what a fucking waste all that shit was. I always think about that uh, Woody Allen line where he says, my wife and I couldn't decide between the, you know, had to decide between either taking a vacation or getting a divorce, but we took the divorce because with the vacation, when it's over, what do you got? (laughs) But with a divorce, when it's over, it's uh, you, you're single again. Four months after he was declared brain dead and doctors were about to remove his organs for transplant, Zach Dunlop says he feels pretty good. Dunlop was pronounced dead back on November 19th at the United Regional Healthcare System in Wichita Falls, Texas, after he was injured in an all-terrain vehicle accident. His family approved having his organs harvested. As family members were paying their last respects, he moved his foot and then his hand. And he reacted to a pocket knife scraped across his foot and to pressure applied under a fingernail. After 48 days in the hospital, he was allowed to return home where he continues to work on his recovery. On Monday, he and his family were in New York appearing on NBC's Today. I feel pretty good, but it's just hard. Just ain't got the patience, Dunlop, told NBC. Uh, Dunlop is 21 years old of uh, Frederick uh, near Oklahoma City. Said he has no recollection of the crash. I remember a little bit um, that was about an hour before the accident, but then about six hours before that, I remember, he says. Dunlop said one thing he does remember is hearing the doctors pronounce him dead. I'm glad I couldn't get up and uh, uh, do what I wanted to do, he said. Asked if he had wanted to get up and shake them and say he's alive, Dunlop responded, probably uh, would have been a broken window uh, that went out. His father, Doug, said he saw the results of the brain scan. There was no activity at all, no blood flow at all. Uh, Zach's mom, Pam, said that when she discovered he was still alive, that was the most miraculous feeling. We had gone, like I said, from the lowest possible emotion that a parent could feel to the top of the mountains again, she said. She said her son is doing amazingly well, still has problems with his memory as his brain heals from the traumatic injury. May take a year or more before he completely recovers, she said, but that's okay. doesn't matter how long it takes. We're just so thankful and blessed that we have him here. Dunlap now has the pocket knife that scraped across his foot, causing the first reaction. Just makes me thankful. Makes me thankful that they didn't give up, he said. Only the good die young, so I'm still here. Just she goes to show you we know absolutely nothing about nothing. 
So they were going to start pull, pulling organs out of this guy like he was a vending machine. <coughs> you imagine? And now all these like right to life wackos are going to you know point to this guy from now on and say, "Oh, we never know. The doctors were wrong." <coughs> We should keep them all alive indefinitely. Hey, you're listening to The Ravings of a Clown. It's Monday, March the 24th, the year of our Lord, 2008. And I feel the trembling tinkle of another sleepless night creep through my fingers and the moon is bright. And the beams of blue come flickering through my window pane like gypsy moths that dance around a candle flame. Don McLean on JR. Please don't touch that dial. It gets good. Starting right now. I feel a trembling tingle of a sleepless night Creep through my fingers and the moon is bright Beams of blue come flickering through my window pane Like gypsy moths that dance around a candle flame And I wonder if you know that I never understood That although you said you'd go Until you did I never thought you would Moonlight used to bathe the contours of your face While chestnut hair fell all around the pillowcase And the fragrance of your flowers rest beneath my head A sympathy bouquet left with the love that's dead And I wonder if you That I never understood That although you said you'd go Until you did I never thought you would Never thought the words you said were true Never thought you said just what you meant Never knew how much I needed you Never thought you'd leave Until you went Morning comes and morning goes with no regret And evening brings the memories I can't forget Empty rooms that echo as I climb the stairs And empty clothes that drape and fall on empty chairs And I wonder if you know That I never understood That although you said you'd go Until you did
the song that sold a million Farfisa organs, Del Shannon on Jester Radio. Great, uh, but uh, highly disturbed uh, individual. Unfortunately, it was in the playing the oldie circuit for thirty years, and uh, when the Traveling Wilburys called on um, him to replace Roy Orbison, he uh, promptly shot himself in the head. Tragic uh, and sad. You're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Um, I was uh, just talking with Poe in the um, Jester Radio chat room about this thing, I this uh, TV, um, not TV show, but movie I saw the other day on um, Dion, Dion DiMucci, live. Um, and he, it was intermixed with all these studio takes of him explaining the origins of all these old songs like um, Run Around Sue and, um, um, uh, you know, all these um, great old uh, Belmont's tunes. And he, ta- he talked about the story of how he walked into a, uh, was walking past a synagogue one day and um he heard the you know the 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 rabbi or the cantor inside singing and you know these really cool rich uh middle eastern um scales that he had never heard before and he became friends with the rabbi he called him like pastor rubenstein or something and uh you know went in there a lot and got to listen to a lot of this music and he if you listen to his scatting um, you know, he, he would say many years later that, uh, he, w- he had been trying to, uh, sort of sound like a human saxophone. But if you listen to the scales that he's singing, it sounds exactly like, uh, Cantor on Friday night. Listen. Without any money, there goes our romance. She always wears charms down. 
them at the five and ten cent store She wants to be just like a Zaza Gabor Even though she's a daughter next door They call her Thank <laughs> And let me tell you something. Back in the old days, when these guys sang doo-wop, you know, we think of doo-wop as a joke now, but in the day, doo-wop was serious fucking business, you know? And people would watch it with awe and respect. They didn't goof on it. It didn't seem silly. It seemed awesome. And these guys would stand on the fucking sidewalk, and they'd snap their fingers, and they'd make amazing music. And if you listen to the background vocalists on these tunes... Every single fucking note in those background vocals is like precision, perfect, like butter. And let me tell you, when I was a kid, I went to all these 50s reunions. When I was very young, when I first started getting into music, uh, I had a counselor in camp that turned me on to the 50s music. And luckily, I was young enough that the next four or five or six years, I just went to these... Um, uh, constant uh, oldies reunions, and I saw all the acts, all the fucking oldies acts who were like a joke at this point by the mid-70s. Um, they were like novelty acts in a way, and they did these tunes. They would get up and do the snap step um, thing, and it was like they were fucking phoning it in, man. They really, you know, were very, you know, disheartened. It sort of like reminded me of... Uh, that Rod Serling movie, Requiem for a Heavyweight, where the guy was, you know, used to be a wrestler and now a, a boxer, this noble uh, profession, and he, you know, became this, like, joke of a wrestler wearing, like, salami around his neck or something, you know. And um, it was just absolutely humiliating. And that's what these guys were on these oldies tours. But I watched this TV show... Uh, this movie that was on Dion DiMucci, it was sort of like half live concert and half like in the studio uh, talking about these old tunes. And the shit that was live, his background vocalist, two of the guys are the original guys from the Belmonts. And when I tell you they put every fucking single bit as much heart into those doo-wops, those background vocals, as they did 35, 40, 50 years ago on the street corner in, in the Bronx, on Belmont Street in the Bronx, and it was incredible. And uh, really makes you, you know, think back to this time um, when all the music was made by the human voice, and it wasn't... Um, uh, it wasn't like you know what you know what we think of as the choral you know the Mozart chorals. They were really sophisticated, um, multi-timbral uh, pieces with lots of rich instrumentation. They just all happened to be human voices, and really you know gave something to the to the tune. Um, anyway, you know, uh, the Dion DiMucci was um, the the. Uh, beginning of music for me and uh there you go and it turns out he was influenced by a rabbi 
in uh, the Bronx, back on Belmont Street all those years ago. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown this Monday, March the 24th. Hanging in the Jester Radio chat room with S. Poe and Louie. Why not stop by and say hi? Got something to say? Uh, throw your two shekels into the thick of the fray. Merle Brandell and his black lab Slapsy were beachcombing along the Bering Sea in Seattle when he spied a plastic bottle among the Japanese glass floats he often finds along the shore of his tiny Alaskan fishing village. He walked over and saw an envelope tucked inside. After slicing the bottle open, Brandell found a message from an elementary school student in the suburb of Seattle. The fact that the letter traveled 1,735 miles without any help from the U.S. Postal Service is unusual, but that's only the beginning of the mystery. About 21 years passed between the time Emily Huang put the message in a soda bottle and Merle Brandell picked it out on the beach. This letter is part of our science project to study oceans and learn about people in different lands, she wrote. Please send the date and location of the bottle with your address. I will send you my picture and tell you when and where the bottle was placed in the ocean. Your friend, Emily Huang. Brandell, 34, a bear hunting guide and manager of a water plant, said many of the 70-plus residents of Nelson Lagoon were intrigued by his find. Beachcombing is a popular activity in remote western Alaska. Among the recent discoveries was a sailboat that washed ashore last October. It's kind of a sport. keeps us occupied. It's one of the pleasures of living here, Brandell said, of the village, reachable only by plane or boat, too small to have its own store. Brandell tried to track down the sender, a fourth grader from a North City School in the Shoreline School District. No one answered when Brandell called the school in December, so he sent the school... Uh, a handwritten letter which eventually ended up on the desk of district spokesman Craig Dejinger, Dej, Deginger, Degginger. After some searching, Deginger discovered Emily Huang is now a 30-year-old accountant named Emily Shi and lives in Seattle. She was in the fourth grade during the 86-87 school year at a school building that closed more than a year ago. She said she was flabbergasted by the news and immediately shared it with her co-workers. I don't remember the project. It was so long ago. Elementary school is kind of foggy, she admitted during a recent interview. I've been getting a kick out of it uh, for a month now. Can you imagine she doesn't even remember putting the fucking note in the bottle? <laughs> How the hell do you forget something like that? Anyway, even with all the drugs I took, I don't, uh, I don't think I would forget that. That's like the fucking t- uh, little time capsule. I love the way she signed it, Your Friend. You know, I've been thinking about our fortune, and I decided that we're really not to blame for the love that's deep inside us now is still the same. And the sounds we make together is the music to the story in your eyes. It's been shining down upon me now, I realize. Moody Blues on JR.
Listen to this tide slowly turning, wash all our heartaches away. We're part of the fire that is burning, and from the ashes we can build a better day. But I'm frightened for the children, that the life that we are living is in vain, and the sunshine we've been waiting for will turn to rain. And when the final line is over, and it's certain that the curtain is going to fall, I can hide inside your sweet, sweet love forevermore. The Moody Blues on Jester Radio. You've been listening to the ravings of a clown this Monday, March the 24th. And I can't thank you enough for stopping by and spending a little of your time with us here. You know, to me, it's my best two hours of the day. It's the only time of the day that I give a fuck about. The other 22 I could barely manage. So I sure do appreciate you stopping by and spending a little of your time uh, with us here on behalf of Bob the Engineer and Dolly the Receptionist and all of us here at Chester Radio. It means so very much that you do. South Korea is introducing new signs for its hot spring spas to remove any confusion for those seeking other kinds of steamy liaisons. The Ministry of Public Administration and Security introduced the new blue logo today for about 480 spas across the country. The sign replaces a nearly century-old red icon, which is a circle of rising wisps of steam that have been appropriated by the love motels which offer uh, prostitution or short stays for couples having extramarital relations. Public baths and many lodging facilities also use the old logo, which was introduced when South Korea was colonized by Japan uh, back in 1910. The new logo depicts waves of water with two circles symbolizing the heads of a father and son and amid rising steam. So it's a nice, wholesome... Uh, father and son activity, like fishing. Like, you know, dad takes the kid fishing and he takes him to the spa to hang out naked with the old men. Those using the sign at non-spa facilities can be punished for up to two years in jail and a fine of up to 10000 bucks. So stick to the old... The, now that they, they, the whorehouses have taken over the old symbol, stick with that one. Don't use that. Don't use the good one. A man hoping to cheer up ailing relatives at uh, a Wilcox Memorial Hospital hadn't considered one of the visitation rules. No horses allowed. The man thought the patient would enjoy seeing his stallion, said Lonnie Yokomura, spokeswoman for the hospital. He and the horse entered the hospital earlier this month and rode up an elevator <laughs> to the third floor where they met and were stopped by security personnel. Security managed to get the guy and his horse uh, out of the hospital with just a few scuff marks. The hospital has a, a pet visitation policy, but it's for dogs and cats, not horses. On Cowie, we have a very warm, inviting atmosphere at Wilcox. Yukimori said, we just hope people understand this is not the place for a horse. The man's good intentions were further dashed when uh, his relative was brought out to see the horse, and uh, he took one look at the horse and said, this is not my horse. <laughs> You brought the wrong horse. Police say a man's excuse for speeding through a small Connecticut town takes the cake, or at least the cookie. State trooper who stopped the 1993 BMW last fall says its driver, 28-year-old Justin Vonkummer of uh, Milliton, uh, New York, blamed his driving problems on an errant Oreo. Vonkummer told the trooper that an Oreo had just slipped from his fingers as he had dunked it in a cup of milk. <laughs> 
and that he was trying to fish it out of the glass. You know how sometimes it slips away from you? And, you know, driving down the highway at 70 miles an hour is the perfect time to go at Duncan. Prosecutors learned in court this week that Von Coomer had been charged with speeding and driving under a suspended license, not driving under the influence, as the clerk had mistakenly noted in the court records. His attorney declined the cut, declined to comment. The case is still pending. This is his defense. He was fishing out an Oreo. Two sisters from Virginia sold their Illinois-shaped cornflake on eBay on Friday night for 1350 bucks. We told you about this story last week. Uh, we were biting our nails all the way up to the finish, seeing what would happen, said Melissa McIntyre, 23. There's a lot of relief involved. Phew. You know, a lot of people w- might worry that they couldn't sell a cornflake in the shape of Illinois. The winner of the auction, which lasted more than a week, is the owner of a trivia, trivia website who wants to add the cornflake to a traveling museum. <laughs> We're starting a collection of pop culture and Americana items, said Monty Kerr of Austin, Texas. We thought this was a fantastic one. Kerr owns TriviaMania.com and said that uh, he'll likely send someone to Virginia to pick up the flake by hand, just so it won't be damaged. This isn't the first uh, cornflake that Kerr has tried to buy. He said he purchased a flake built as the world's largest, but by the time that it uh, had come delivered to him, it was had been crumbled into three pieces. McIntyre and his sister, uh, her sister Emily, who's 15, listed the cornflake on eBay last week, but eBay canceled the auction, saying that it violated their no food policy. So they restarted the auction, advertising a coupon that was redeemable for the cornflake instead of the cereal itself. So surely you see the distinction. The McIntyres say they'll likely use the money for a family vacation. That's why they're relieved. They were worried. And now they're relieved. And what are they going to do with the money? They're so relieved, they're going to go on vacation. Copycat items have popped up on eBay, including a cornflake shaped like Hawaii, uh, one like Virginia. There's also a potato chip chip that looks just like Florida. And there's also Illinois cornflake paraphernalia, like Illinois cornflake T-shirts and Illinois cornflake buttons. An Australian man's complaint of a break-in at his home went to pot on Friday when police arrested him for growing pot. The 35-year-old man in the central Australian city of Adelaide called police to report that six guys had just broken into his house through a window and stolen his pot plants. Police were unable to find the intruders that brought a, uh, but they brought with them a drug warrant since the guy told them over the phone he had drugs in his house. They searched the house and they found six large cannabis plants growing in two bedrooms. Uh, The guy was charged with cultivating cannabis for sale. Members of the public are reminded that the growing of cannabis is not only illegal, but it also may attract other criminal activities such as break-ins. So this is the government's way of saying we can't protect you if you break the law. When shooting suspect Christopher Williams acted up in prison, he was given Nutriloaf. Now, I don't know if you've heard about this, but this is this new technique that some jails are using when they punish you. They give you this fucking food that's got everything you need to survive in it, but it's inedible. It's the most disgusting shit. Now, check this out. It's a mixture of cubed whole wheat bread non-dairy cheese, raw carrots, you heard me, spinach, seedless raisins, beans, vegetable oil, tomato paste, powdered milk, and dehydrated potato flakes. And they press it into a loaf. 
and they give it to you and make you eat it. Prison officials call it a complete meal. Inmates say it's so fucking bad they'd rather starve. Today, the Vermont Supreme Court will hear arguments in a class action suit brought by inmates who say it's not food but punishment, and that anyone su subjected to it should get a formal disciplinary process first. Prison officials see neutral loaf as a tool for behavior modification. It's commonplace in other states as a way of providing nutrition in a mechanism that dissuades inmates from throwing feces, urines, trays, and silverware, said Vermont Corrections Commissioner Rob Hoffman. Uh, it tends to have the desired outcome, uh, Hoffman said. Once the offender relents, uh, we stop with the neutral loaf. <laughs> so it's for the people that throw their own feces. Seth Lipschitz, uh, an attorney for the Vermont's Prisoners' Rights Office, said the state has a legitimate interest in changing the behavior of inmates who misbehave. He says a diet of neutral loaf is punishment, plain and simple. I'll call it anything is playing with words to get what they want. It's wrong and it's sad, Lipschitz said. If it's punishment, you got to follow the rules. Even in prison, you get a little bit of due process. Uh, even Huffman doesn't care for the taste of the stuff. It reminded me of eating my vegetables, and I'm not necessarily a big fan of vegetables, he said. Come on, eating your vegetables? <laughs> it's got raw fucking carrots in it, man. Federal judge ruled in 1988 that the use of neutral loaf by the Michigan Department of Corrections was punishment. Now Michigan inmates are only given neutral loaf after going through the disciplinary process that lands them in segregation. Department spokesman Russ Marlin said it's done very infrequently, but it seems to accomplish its goal of preventing prisoners from using or abusing food or their containers in a way that could adversely affect our staff. So it, giving somebody this fucking neutral loaf is definitely punishment. And now you have to go through a process where they got to get the, the permission of the Board of Corrections there to put you on neutral loaf. But they only do it if you're pissing on the guards or throwing your shit. Apparently, some inmates, they pick up their own duty with their hand and they hurl it across the room at the guards. So, uh, you know, for, for people like that, I think what you need to do is you need to put them in like a four by six by four cage, like a wire dog crate where they can't like really stand up and they can't really like sit down and they can't ever really get comfortable. And you just leave them there for 10, 15, 20 years. You hose them down once every two or three days like an elephant. They can throw anything they want at anybody because there's nothing to hit. Nobody's in the room. Uh, it's just a rows and rows of cages. And then uh, you give them the food like a dog in the cage. That's what I say. Hey, you've been listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Monday, March the 24th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you so very much for stopping by. Remember, be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean and avoid using words to speak against yourself or to gossip about other people. Don't take anything personally. It's not about you. Don't make assumptions and always, always do your best. That's the very most important thing. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. Until that time, Eustace, of course, I picked the rainy night to try and find the house. The street lights all were flickering. The rain was falling fast. And I walked down the winding road and looked up through the trees, and I saw the corner window.
that you once shared with me. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow.